back to the bin. Welcome, everybody, to Back to the Bins Assistant Editors Month. I am J. David Weeder, but you can call me Dave. You may want to hold on to that thought, though, because I am joined by Mr. David Pascarella. Pleased to be here. And Mr. Dario Gonzalez. You got the triple Ds. Oh, man, every man's fantasy. Here I am. It's a really big episode. Yes, it is. (laughs) Here I am. Rock me like a hurricane. Or do it Christopher Walken style. Here I am. Rock me like a hurricane. Wow. <laughs> Very nice. Very good. Very but we good. were tapped by Paul, the producer, Spataro, to do Assistant Editor's Month, which means we've all made the big time now. We have. Yep. No longer will Dario toil in the world of eat it and beat it. I, I know. I know. I know. I actually have my – I'm not wearing my sweatpants, and I don't have the uh, curtains pulled and the room dark. I'm actually just just sitting here, and uh, I have nothing to worry about. The wife's not going to come in and uh, and see anything she shouldn't see. So there you go. <laughs> that sounds very. I'm a little uncomfortable with that. I feel like we're in a windowless van at the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, welcome to my welcome to my Tuesday nights <laughs> when I have to record. <laughs> so we were tapped uh, to do some back to the binge, and uh, I don't know who it was that threw it out. Probably me. We threw out the theme of Star Trek. And a good theme it is. I thought I thought so. I thought the books we got are actually higher quality than we need to bring to this table, but you're normally used to, like, uh, you know, Apollo Smiles. Ugh. I'm a fan. Said, I'm a big you, fan. You're setting the bar rather high. Yes. <laughs> God and and we and we do love you listeners because we did not include a gold key comic in our uh, in our review. Not so. that the temptation wasn't there. No, it was there. It was there. <laughs> it was definitely there. But the uh, so go ahead, uh, Jay David. What what did we pick today? Well, I went with well, well, Dario. What were we doing first? We're going with well, Mister Pascarella, growing by age. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Age of the comic, yeah. not age of the individual. Yeah, of for course. The record. Of course. <laughs> That may be one and that may be one and the same. <laughs> All right, we're going to start off with a Marvel Star Trek issue number eighteen from February nineteen eighty two. I bought this particular issue off the stands at a <laughs> ripe old age of ten. I looked at the cover. I'd never bought a Star Trek issue before, but I looked at this cover and I saw. Special last issue collector's item. And at the age of 10, I said, this is going to be like Action Comics number one. It's going to make me rich. I'm going to get rich and I'll be able to retire. Needless to say, that has yet to come to pass. I was going to say, I think I paid under two bucks for this issue. That's because you can slab it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I paid 60 cents. You win. (laughs) Sixty cents. I wouldn't be shocked if you could get it for a quarter somewhere. And you put it on layaway, which was even better. (laughs) You had to go in and pay ten cents a week to get it, and finally you got it. Six weeks later, you had that that shiny new comic in your hand. And and this was this was literally bought at a newsstand at the subway station. 
oh, when you could buy comics at newsstands. I remember my 7-Eleven when I was a kid had a spinner rack, a real spinner rack. The siren That's call a- of the spinner rack. There's comics exactly. nearby. <laughs> my people are calling. Hey, no reading that. You gonna buy it or what? <laughs> Yes, that's what people used to say. Unlike Barnes and Nobles that has chairs now with people sitting down reading the books. That never would have flown back then. Oh, can you imagine sitting down in the back of the uh, 7-Eleven? You want to read? Go to the library. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That didn't even fly too well at the comic shops, to be honest with you. What are you, you, you reading that? You're going to increase it. Yeah. Decrease its value. The grease is from your hand. Oh. oh yeah, the grease is from your hand. Oh, we we cut you off, dude. I'm yeah, just sorry. dying. Or I'm dying to know more about this fabulous uh, book that you got here. Hit us up with a little more about it. Okay, the background information is it was published October twenty seventh, nineteen eighty one. The writer is J M D Mateus, penciler Joe Brozowski, the inker is Sal Trapiani. And the editor was Shelley Lefferman. Now, we open up with a, a scene we never would have been able to see on the uh, TV show of Jim Kirk doing some kind of gymnastic activity on a trampoline. I personally would have paid to see William Shatner do that. <laughs> oh, my God. And he's got incredible arms. Have you know, do you see these his arms were, were just like you look like the beast. It's like and I bet you, I bet backwards. you, he would have paid to have arms that look like yes. that. <laughs> but he's interrupted right away by a very dour-looking Mister Spock because the ship has been intercepted by a massive craft that looks like something out of War World, and it's a or, prox- an, or an MC Escher print, I think, or the McEvoy yeah. Ward catalog. Yes, <laughs> that's more like. Yeah. That's no moon. That's a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> and it's approximately 20.6 times the size of the Earth. Of course, wow. the ship gets invaded by uh, some kind of a probe. The probe jams up the machinery, and it uh, paralyzes the crew, and conveniently takes Kirk and Spock. They're beamed over or transported in some manner to... Uh, the ship that's blocking the path at this point, and they meet this humongous, giant-sized robot that looks like a kid designed it. <laughs> With a crystal head... Uh, not a crystal head. The head's metal, but uh, apparently it looks like a crystal brain sticking out of the top. And he explains to them that uh, the, his name is the Sustainer, and the ship that they're on is a world ship called the Solo Fizz, as best as I can pronounce it. (laughs) Which you'd need an incredibly large glass of water to drop it into to turn it into a (laughs) soda. The other two ships in the fleet are plop plop. (laughs) I think it's a tie into the card game Fizzbin myself, but I digress. Fizzbin. And uh, the sustainer explains that he needs their assistance. However, one of them's going to have to die. <laughs> what a dick. I hate when I, I meet a dickish robot alien who wants just, to save her and is going to kill one of awful. my folks. <laughs> Suddenly, reality warps 
We see a, a weird clock, some kind of critters. Uh, it's something out of an LSD nightmare, I would assume. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we see the USS Enterprise. No, not that one. The classic sailing vessel. And Kirk is apparently the captain. And the ship comes under attack by pirates. And instead of fighting them off, he kind of drops the ball. And the pirates take over the ship. Of course, they're also armed with Tommy guns, which Spock, Spock, who comes in with the invading pirates, informs them this must be from your mistaken view of history, since pirates didn't have Tommy guns. In the process of the battle, uh, one of the masts falls. It's going to kill Spock. And Kirk dives in, shoving Spock out of the way, and is promptly killed by the mast. A very depressed-looking Spock Spock picks up Kirk, and he wanders through the landscape, which morphs and changes. And then he's back on the ship with the sustainer. And the sustainer tells him, no problem, we can bring him back. As long as you died within six hours, the revivifier... Can bring him back. Good name. Yes. Very creative on their part. (laughs) The thought process of an eight-year-old, apparently. (laughs) So Kirk wakes up. The robot's gone. And Spock explains, you know, they're trapped on the ship, but with his super Vulcan strength, he can open up the door and they can find their way to the bridge. So he does that and they wander out through this massive steel cavern. Kind of looks like the Death Star playset from when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. Don't you wish you had that today? (laughs) I still do. I just had to put it away today. I'm jealous of you. Oh, you'll see it. My wife, time to move that stuff out of the house to the basement, but I digress. Go on. (laughs) As they're making their way through these caverns and climbing over what look like pipes with apparently no water running through them one of these pipes breaks and Kirk is going to fall to his death death number two however Spock reaches down he grabs Kirk throws him up onto the ledge and then Spock falls to his death but hey guess who shows up a friend of Sustainer guess what guess what you guessed it (laughs) not six hours we can bring Spock back I guess they knew what was coming in Star Trek 3 the search for Spock <laughs> definitely but I'm jumping ahead on that one so our friend the sustainer explains look there's pretty much only one test I've got the Enterprise and I'm going to destroy it kill everybody on the ship we're going to roast them however if one of you is willing to give up your life You know, I'll release the other one and the ship will go free. So immediately Kirk is moving into position to literally take the blow from this giant robot when uh, Spock nerve pinches him. Kirk goes down and Spock's ready to sacrifice himself. This massive robot grabs his fist and he's ready to swing it down and Jim Kirk with almost superhuman strength somehow overcomes the Vulcan nerve pinch which up to this point I understood once you got pinched that was it you're done yeah 
you're done. Kirk manages to get up there, and he's trying to shove Spock out of the way, and the hand is coming down that they're both going to be killed, pulverized, when the robot stops and pretty much says, that's all I needed. And he explains that the people on this ship who are in stasis, the... Uh, are they the solar fizz too? I I don't know, but they're the ugliest sons of bitches I've yes. ever seen. In my life. And <laughs> they look like I, they they they've been roasted pretty much. Yeah. They pretty much took off their eyelids, which is the problem. Their eyes are going to be very dry. Yeah. The vaccine, the visine needed just to get those eyes back to the moisture level necessary is way too much. They should just leave those ugly bastards in stasis, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> don't hold back. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jay David. You saw what they looked like, didn't you? I'm looking at them now, yeah. You don't need enough. We've got enough ugly aliens running around. That's <laughs> what happens when you overcook them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they needed nutrients. So our friend the Sustainer summarizes and explains that these people were the most selfish SOBs in the galaxy. That they only cared about themselves... And in their actions of being selfish, they had, it seems, war after war. And they slaughtered billions, with a capital B, billions of them. But yet there's still millions of them left on the ship. Personally, I think self-destruct would have been a good way to go. (laughs) So what he needed Kirk and Spock for was to record and beam directly into their hearts. The experience of, quote, selflessness and unconditional love. Now that they have this, he can release them from stasis and hopefully avoid a second holocaust. And the issue wraps up with Kirk and Spock back on the bridge of the Enterprise and telling us, the reader, that the human adventure is just beginning as this is the final issue and they never published anything ever again. There you have it. Have you guys ever read Craven's Last Hunt? Of course. No. Okay. It's it's extremely dark. It's extremely dark Spider-Man tale written by the guy that wrote this issue. Really? They wrote the same issue? J.M. Day Mateus, yeah. This is written by the guy that wrote Fearful Symmetry. Oh, you're right, because... Because Craven's crazy girlfriend actually looks a little bit like those aliens. Oh, wow. <laughs> I remember now. She did. So, so Craven's the one who goes into the bar, looks across it, and goes, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not leaving until I get that one. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's like an entire Earth ship filled with assholes. As far as I'm concerned, you should just let them. <laughs> The sustainer had just let him just let him stay. I could get assholes I know in, in a ship and send them off into space. The world would be a better place. We're doing the universe a favor, yeah. Oh my god. Well, so what 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 did you think, David? Uh, if you look uh, back on it now, do you remember? Do you happen to remember what it was like reading it when you were ten, or did you just know that you had it at that was, time? Did, at that time, I was more of a Star Wars fan and a GI okay. Joe and Superman. I only bought this because it said collector's edition. (laughs) I literally, my birthday's October 4th. 
I turned 10 that month. So to me, that was the only reason I bought it. I think I read it once when I bought it, and now. Is, and, is the copy you have, uh, is that the original I, copy? Yeah. Oh, yes, cool. it is. Yeah. And what's funny is I divested most of my collection at one point, but for some reason this one was left behind. So, yeah, that's one of the original ones I bought. Yeah, I, I we all have the original. My original comic, I think one of them was um, Spider-Man Team Up with the Black Widow. And uh, I still have it. There was one scene where the Black Widow was getting dressed from behind some curtain or some screen into her costume. And man, I still remember that. Yep. But we all have our... with you for some reason. Yep. <laughs> you never <laughs> forget the first one. There was, a, there was a similar scene like that in the Raiders of the Lost Ark comic book. Oh, yeah. Book. I'll never forget that one. When Marion goes to change into yep. Belloc's dress, yeah. Yep. But Star Trek. Whoa. There, yeah, sorry. Um, I've had other things by J.M.D. Mateus that I, I enjoyed. This, I, I wasn't very impressed with it. Well, now, to, to give guys, a little context on the Marvel, this followed Gold Key. Gold Key had the, basically had the, the TV series license. This is set between, it's set after Star Trek The Motion Picture. Right. When Marvel took this license, they said you can only use stuff from the motion picture. So you couldn't use Harry Mudd. You couldn't use certain aliens. Only stuff in the in the motion picture. So this this series was hampered from the beginning. But it th- this is actually an improvement from some issues early on, by the way. Mm. But I want to make sure the context was there that this was a troubled series from the beginning. It seems that way. Yeah. Yeah. Just from this. I noticed that. A lot of parallels to it's almost like they had a tough time shaking some of the gold key off of their writing, you know, mm-hmm. and and my biggest observation with it, I mean, I, it, it was a fun read. I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is, but they uh, actually used the word uh, Brobding Nang Ian, which is which is from Gulliver's Travels. It means huge. They just used that to describe the robot. And that's the kind of shit that I used to like. You know, if I saw some crazy word like Brobding Nagayan, I would Nagayan, I would that was the that was the world that Gulliver went to after Lilliput where everybody was giants. And they threw that out there and I said, What the hell is that? And I had to look it up. I had to look it up and see that so they threw that out there to make it fancy. And if you notice the sustainer, the way he was drawn, um, he looked a lot like like Robbie the robot, his face from the FF, and then his the rest of him he had Cylon Raider eyes, and and he also had his the top of his head looked like Lucifer from Battlestar Galactica as well. You know, I think they, they mined like every popular. Uh, he had good pecs though. I don't remember too many robots having pecs because Twiggy didn't have that great pecs, but. But they mined every look from every popular robot that they could think of and, mm-hmm. and put them together in that. Because definitely I saw Cylon. I saw I saw a little bit of, um, of did, uh, Herbie. Did you ever read uh, Star Wars Marvel? You yeah. know, I probably the only one I tried to get into Star Wars Marvel. And when I could get my hands on a copy, I would buy the movie adaptations, and I loved the movie adaptations. But I only read very, very few issues of. I was just a big Spider-Man fan. I mean, Spider-Man, and that was pretty much almost all 
But but uh, someday I will get into that because I've heard, Be- because you know, there was an issue of that called Droid World, oh, and this yeah. thing this thing reminds me of something that escaped from Droid World. Not exact, but just something about it. I can see. Well, that. when you have a good look, when you have a good look like that, you just got to keep running with it. I mean, yeah. come on, <clears throat> definitely is and and why so many people have such a hard time drawing Spock's ears right i mean sometimes they look like you could put receipts from a diner <laughs> just they are just absolutely just so pointy that 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 it's it's crazy and uh, the only other thing that i thought that was kind of interesting was Scotty when he was in command I actually called um Dr. McCoy Bones, which I don't ever remember him calling him Bones before. No, you know? nah. that was kind of Captain's Kirk's thing, you know. So, yeah, he but, never uh, did. He never did. Not that I can. But recall it at was all. a. It was very much a um, a product a product of its times, and I, I you know, I, for for what it was, I did I didn't hate it. You know, I I got I I just kind of uh, fun to to read what the interpretation of Star Trek was back in those days. I'm taking Jay David, this probably took took place after the first Star Trek movie and before the uh Wrath yep. of Khan, right? Well before Wrath of Khan, correct. Okay. And then so Wrath looking, of Khan would come out in DC would take over the license after Wrath of Khan. Yeah, we're kind of looking at a little bit of a dead zone there, I guess. And mm-hmm. um but uh you know, hey if back in those days if you wanted Trek you got it. You got it any way you could, you know? Well, Marvel was, mm-hmm. was big on the licenses because st- they had Star Wars. And so they had Star Wars and Star Trek at one point here. And, you know, stars, Marvel Star Wars overall, and it was a good series, but it had some real hit or miss. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if this one, this one was, could have possibly found its legs. But what I understand is the Star Trek license is, is a pain in the ass to work with, depending on, the time period. I guess IDW yeah. has a better time of it than they did at Marvel. Yeah, they do. <clears throat> they do. And uh, and we'll get to that. Uh, what do you think of the art, uh, David? I guess we should, we should probably do the scale of 1 to 10, right? We're, we are assistant editors. I mean, anyway. Oh, we've got letter, letter grades. I forgot all about those. Oh, yeah, letter grades, right? Um, overall, other than the robot, which I wasn't too impressed with, I thought the art was pretty good. I mean, I would give it, um, I'd give it a B plus. And the, yeah, no, I would give it a B plus. Yeah, the I, overall. I, I'm going to give it a B minus just because of Spock's ears. I, I had I had trouble with with this with his very very uh, demony ears, but it's about tethering between B plus and and B minus. You know, I, I I thought the spaceship was an interesting concept maybe put together by a bunch of drunken borgs or something or, <laughs> <laughs> you know because it was a jay david was right it would look like a what you what did you say a, something a, out of uh, montgomery ward catalog i mean yeah a montgomery ward catalog that someone tore up and threw together but yeah i would i'm gonna definitely go up a b minus on on uh, the artwork see i'm not gonna be as charitable Ah. I'm not going to be way off. The artwork, it's it, it, it's fine. But as you mentioned, the aliens are ugly. I guess they're supposed to be. But there are some really wonky shots of the Enterprise. You've got yeah, the why opening. is it so many people have a hard time 
drawing the Enterprise, at least at least the original Enterprise, why the, people had a tough time getting that to look to look decent. You know, I don't know what it was, but it, is it a hard thing to draw? It can be. I've tried, and you know, it's, it, you, if you get the nacelles a little bit off, if they're they're spread out too far, if they're not lean back far enough, yeah, it ends up looking goofy. However, I don't get paid professionally to do so. <laughs> That's right. Um, but you have like the opening scene where Kirk's arms are gorilla-like. Yeah. Um, there are some like, really good yeah, my- shots in here, like Kirk waking up from being, you know, dead. But I, I'm going to go just a notch lower just because some of the proportions are weird. There are some really strong points, so I'm going to give it a C. It's, it's average for the art. What about story, though? Oh, the story. I I, I would give the story uh, a C minus to a D plus. I, I felt it was recycling a lot of uh, story points that had been maybe used in the show. The whole uh, ship thing reminded me of that episode, uh, For the Earth is Hollow and I've Touched the Sky. Mm. Uh, the throwing them into different scenes kind of reminded me. I mean, it wasn't exact, but to some extent, Spectre of the Gun. I felt it was just recycling ideas we'd seen before in just a slightly different way. I mean, even the the humongous ship, the Corbinite maneuver. Yeah, that I, I'm glad you because I actually I thought of that the first time. So and, and heating the heating up of the ship on the outside. I can't think of the name. Cat's paw. Cat's paw. Yeah. So uh, I wasn't impressed at all with the story. So like I said, uh, to be generous, I would say C minus to a D plus. Yeah, I, I it was like watching a rerun of the TV show. I'm I think I'm gonna have to agree with you, and I'm gonna have to go with a um with a solid D, a solid D only because it was the last the last hurrah and maybe they didn't know it was the last hurrah at the time that they did it but yeah a solid d on the story i'm i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna agree with that i'm actually gonna go with like c minus just to average my overall score to a a, a standard c if, if <laughs> you know if you're a kid Great. you pick you pick this up it's a it's a read you're entertained for 15 20 minutes and then you're done and th- that's not a it's not a bad thing yeah but, i mean the 10 year old me probably you know would have you know the 10 year old us would probably have different views of this mm-hmm. than the middle-aged <laughs> well there was an issue of this yes. there was an issue yeah, of the series that totally grabbed me so i i and going back in adult i'm like what was i thinking and i was actually yeah. 10 years old and it was an issue where janice Rand was married to some disembodied voice that was held in a in a pyramid and they were sh- piloting a ship as as batshit crazy as that sounds, I can't make that up. No, but I loved it at ten. So I think you're right. The ten year old us, this would be fine. This would be standard fare. The ten year old yeah. me yeah, thought I was six- going to retire on this. Yes, issue. Yeah. <laughs> for, for sixty five cents. Come on, what the hell did you expect? Sixty, sixty. Don't be adding a nickel. A nickel yeah. was a lot of money back then. Sixty cents. Sixty cents. Yeah. So. But you know, it is what it is. It was a, a it, it, you, you just hold on to that, send it over, and have it slabbed in plastic. And, uh, and I'm sure. That, I mean, Leonard Nimoy's already kicked the bucket, and uh, when <laughs> William Shatner does, no, you know, no, you no. can, you can, it'll be worth some money. William Shatner cannot die until at least November of this year. 
I have tickets to see William Shatner's one man show when he comes to town here. Oh, Hi. awesome. Yeah, Congratulations. awesome. He needs well, to stay David in good health. Sa- <laughs> David, send, uh, send J. David your comic. You'll get it signed. Yeah, you'll take care of that, right? I've already got a copy of it, so we'll just do an even trade. That's <laughs> oh, that's the thing perfect. is I, I mentioned getting these cheap. I bought it from a fellow podcaster, and I got the I got it ridiculously cheap. And I'm like, oh, I'm missing a few issues. You went on my I went on mycomicshop.com. This series is is I guess the word ridiculously cheap can't be underscored enough. <laughs> you could have all 18 issues and still have change to spare. So maybe wow. I should fill in the 17 holes I have before yeah, this there you issue. Go. <laughs> You're going to spend Just more to money it. getting it slabbed than it'll ever be worth in your lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> it's, right. it's, 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 I want to say it's an underrated. I really do because I want to root for the underdog, but I can't. Most of the criticisms you've heard from you know Scott Gardner, other people, are pretty true. Gold Key, yes, it was goofy as hell, but it was charming at the same time. This doesn't quite get that. This is no, an overall series in the Marvel era. I now, agree with you 100%. In the 90s, Marvel got the license back, and they did some amazing stuff. They did their early voyages, concentrating on Pike. I, I love that. Yes. I love that series. The artwork was great. Mm-hmm. They, they they did a great job on that. And there was the uh, – the, it was a, a series that actually <clears> filled in this gap at the same time. It was a five-issue miniseries, The Untold Voyages – that actually took you in this time frame, filled in a few gaps, and actually showed them getting the Wrath of Khan uniforms. Going from these... I'm sorry, Scott Gardner, I really am, but these horrible pajama uniforms. (laughs) I know Scott loves them, but I hate them. I never did like them either. I hate them too. It's like spa day at the Enterprise. No, but you're you're right. I do remember remember those early voyages, and um, I don't have them anymore. I used to have the entire run, but I really enjoyed them. Well, remind me, and we will fix that. They were terrific. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess we can go on to um, Jay David's uh, book next. Tell us a little bit about what you uh, what you brought out of the old uh, long box. Well, unintentionally, we kind of went to the next level of the license because we went from Gold Key to Marvel to DC, which followed Wrath of Khan. And that series ran for 56 <clears throat> issues and came to an end when they had to renegotiate the license. Which DC did and came up with Volume 2, which was on Baxter Paper. Beautiful, beautiful book. I have every issue both in physical and on the DVD-ROM. But one issue stood out. And that was an annual from Volume 2, Annual 2 from 1991. This bad boy has a cover by Jerome Moore. And you have four Kirks from four eras. So you have a Star Trek four-era Kirk, Wrath of Khan, Motion Picture Kirk, and Original Series. And they're in the background marking the progression of time. And in the forefront, we have a young James Kirk in that thick gold-colored sweater uniform from the pilot. And you have this United Federation of Planet pendant uh, symbol filling the empty space there. And it, it caught my eye. Why, we got an echo. Somebody's headphones come loose? Uh, no. Okay. Mine did. Okay. Okay, cool. But uh, did you guys get a chance to take a look at this cover? I did. I did. What do we think? I liked it. I liked it. The likeness is good. I like the selection of the uniforms. The the exception to my dislike of the motion picture era uniform is Kirk's Admiral uniform. 
which yeah. they're presenting here, and then those thick ass sweaters. Oh, I hated those. Those looked itchy just from. <laughs> what were they thinking? Yeah, but yo, know, it was it was nice to get a shot of all of them there, right next <laughs> to each other. You know, mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of a cool cover. I really liked the cover. Well, the ah. story inside the cover is Starfleet Academy, which is written by Peter David. I've I know him. Uh, yeah. Penciled for the first half by James Fry, and for the second half by Kurt Swan. Yes, that Kurt Swan. It's inked by Arnie Star or Arn Star. Ooh, Arn Star. That sounds cool. Lettered by Robert Pihana. Pinaha. I'm saying that wrong. That guy. Uh, Tom just say, Jan- <laughs> just say Ar- Arn Star again. It sounds cool. Arn Star. Arn Star. Yep. Um, colored by Tom McCraw. And. You know, they say that the journey of a million miles begins with one step. And for Jim Kirk, that rings true as his journey of the, to the stars begins in an Iowa cornfield. As Jim surveys the land, his brother Sam calls out for him. You know what? We should just mark every time there's a reference to an episode, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we got Sam. Check mark. Uh, Sam calls out for him. And the two share the last few moments together before Jim is slated to head to the Starfleet Academy. Jim ribs Sam on his mustache. I don't know if that counts, but you can mark it if you want to. And, Sa- <laughs> and Sam's increasingly more serious relationship with Aurelian. Yes, I said that correctly as it's presented in the book. Think about it. Aurelian. Was that Aurelian. Sam's wife in uh, Operation what? Annihilate? Yes, Aurelia. Uh, nice. <laughs> I, I double-checked it. Nice. Um, but it stands in contrast to Jim's recently ended relationship with his ex, Ruth. Short leave, ladies and gentlemen. Jim distracts Sam for only a moment and gains the lead by way of initiating a race to the Kirk household, and Sam accuses Jim of cheating, and Jim reminds Sam he hates to lose. I don't know if that counts. That's pretty close to Star Trek. II. Oh, that counts. That yeah, counts. we're gonna. Get, that's gonna be the third check. There we go. Uh, Jim boards the shuttle and arrives in San Francisco at Starfleet Academy, where he makes the first acquaintance aboard the shuttlecraft. One sleeping cadet named Gary Mitchell. Yay! Check number four. Yep. Kirk and Mitchell start off on the wrong foot when they tussle over Jim's bag, both believing that it belongs to them, and it's confirmed to be Jim's when the contents spill all over the tarmac. Kirk is left alone to pick up his items and embarrasses himself by fumbling over his words when meeting his personal hero, Captain Matt Decker. Ding! Mm -hmm. Professor of Strategy. (laughs) Kirk's Starfleet Academy experience is really starting off on the wrong foot and continues to go downhill after the first address to the class by Dean of Students, Ben Finney. Man, if you were doing a drinking game, you would be pretty sauced at this point. Absolutely. So that's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> six, yeah. And that's when Kirk finds out that Gary Mitchell is his roommate, and Dean Finney refuses to place Jim on another room because Mitchell would be good for the over-eager Kirk. The next day, Jim places himself on the radar of an obnoxious bully in the form of Finnegan, a third-year Finnegan. cadet. <laughs> a third-year uh, cadet. Jimmy, my boy. <coughs> I really hope that that sound effect makes it in. Uh, Finnegan, a third-year cadet who places a sign on Kirk's back. A kick-me sign, ladies and gentlemen. Not only does it make Kirk the laughingstock of the class, it also leads to a losing more face in front of Captain Decker. Not wait, that- wait. May I interject? Of course. Do- doesn't it say something like Captain Dunsell? Captain Dunsell. Oh, that's a count. Yep. Ultimate computer. Yep. Oh, it. hang on. There you go. Yep. Uh, and not that Kirk needed help losing face, because later in the class, hung, Kirk gets hung up on a... I like Kirk better. We're going with that. Kirk Girk. gets hung up on a question of rank and orders versus a captain's own judgment and sinks even lower in Decker's eyes. 
Kirk is pushed to the line and is on the verge of quitting Starfleet when he gets encouragement from the most unexpected place, Gary Mitchell, who says that he would trust Jim with his life. Pardon me, I gotta take a drink of water. <laughs> Romulan Ale. Oh, that stuff tasted like ass. <laughs> it's an energy drink called Romulan Ale, and it tasted horrible. It tasted oh, blue. I always wanted to try it. Oh, I, well, we'll see if we can make that happen for you. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell explains that he has a photographic memory and really doesn't have to study, but he can make sure that Jim learns everything that he needs to know. After a few hours of cramming, Mitchell is ready to party, but Jim is still a stick in the mud, so Mitchell brings the party to the dorm room. Kirk removes himself from the room, but Mitchell sends an emissary in the form of a pretty blonde science student from a neighboring non-Starfleet school. The blind scientist introduced... Blind? Wrong show. The blonde scientist introduces herself to Jim and the two hit it off, resulting in a passionate night of lovemaking. And that, kids, is how Jim Kirk met Carol Marcus. What is that, seven or eight? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, wow. Uh, the next morning, Jim and Gary rush to get the test on to the test on time, bypassing Finnegan on the way, and make it just under the wire. But days later, Captain Decker declares that the answers to the test were accessed and distributed by one of the students. Everyone will be retested unless the culprit steps forward. Got to get another drink. Hold on. Ah. This cold's killing me. <laughs> Everything on campus devolves quickly. People are at odds with one another. Jim decides to take action and teams with Carol to sneak into a computer lab. Carol recruits some friends, including a young cadet named Uhura. Mm-hmm. And Jim is... Yep. That, what is that? That's an even 10 now. Yep. Jim is able to learn the truth, which he then distributes to the other students. The next day, Decker stands before the class and asks the culprit to step forward, and one by one, the whole class does so, leaving Decker to admit there was no cheating. Kirk returns to the idea that the scenario such as this does not foster a feeling of trust between superior officers and the crew they serve. <clears throat> Decker takes Kirk to his office and commands him. Pardon me. Decker takes Kirk to his office and commends him for passing a test of character and taking command of a bad scenario, showing great potential. He also advises Kirk not to be such a smartass. Later at the dorm, Kirk, Carol, and Gary and Ahura celebrate their victory when Jim's girlfriend Ruth arrives to rekindle the relationship. And Finnegan learns the hard way that pranks have a way of backfiring. As he suddenly finds himself sans clothes while taking the Kobayashi Miru thanks to a transporter. Thanks, Mr. Kyle. That's another one, by the way. And Got that it. is the beginning of James Kirk's road to becoming the captain of the USS Enterprise, as Captain Decker says in the... Excuse me. As Captain Decker says in the final paddle, it's definitely going to be an interesting few years. Ooh. And there you have it. Yep. That is an epic tome. I, this really did stand out because I was doing a read-through of Volume 2, and I kind of got stuck on this one where I'm like, wow, this is a really complex tale. And how much it actually does branch out. I think we've proven, what is that, 11 or 12 branches? Yep. Easily. Yeah. And it confirms, one of the things that stood out was that it confirms a theory, a fan theory, that Carol Marcus was the blonde that Gary sent Kirk's way, that they're mentioning in when no, Where No Man Has Gone Before. Well, if anyone's going write, to write a story <coughs> like that, I think that Peter David, I mean, you know that he knows his track. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the any some of my favorite Star Trek books, are they're all Peter David. I mean, the guy knows Star Trek, and I've never been bored by by any one of his stories i mean um he well, he wrote the novel where uh trelane turned out to be a q 
I don't yeah. know. I can't think of the name of that book now. Was it uh, Q squared? Q squared, I think. Yeah, Q squared, and and that's just you know that's just great. That's the type of stuff that 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 Peter David does. I mean, you know, the guy has a knowledge for for Star Trek where he can just tie things like Trelane being a member of the Q continuum, you know, and that's just great. I mean, that makes perfect sense. And so, yeah, he's definitely the guy to write a book like this. I, I, just, I didn't think that Kirk would be such a, a stick in the mud in in uh, in the Academy. I thought that, that I guess I'm getting my timelines mixed up. But, he's just uh, so overeager. Yeah. No, no, I'm, no. I, I think it's perfect because mm-hmm. if you watch Where No Man Has Gone Before, Gary Mitchell refers to him as something like a walking stack of books or mm-hmm. some, something like oh, that. Okay. It's perfect. It's right on. <clears throat> Again, Peter David does his homework. And it's the letter. And I actually had this backwards, by the way, when I was doing the synopsis. They mentioned Aurelian's name as Aurelia. And that's not the only time they've done that in this volume. Cogsley was was put in wrong when he was defending Kirk in this volume. So it's uh, it's little things like that that bog me that I don't. I know for a fact it can't be Peter David. He knows better. Yeah. So there's some letter or somewhere that just needs to add a few letters here and there. Well, what will make up for something like that is the fact that you know so far ahead, you know, in the future that. You know, taping notes on people's backs and filling up <laughs> with dog crap and lighting them on fire are still classics. <laughs> you know, some some jokes never go out of style because no, there's a part where, where Kurt is stepping on dog crap wrap paper bag, and you know, hey, those are time honored classics. So yeah, I take the good with the bad. What I like about this, what really stood out was Gary Mitchell. That it establishes yeah. this relationship. And there's actually a series of issues towards the end of this volume. I want to say it's 73 through 75. That's a storyline called Starcross that continues that idea. That shows this friendship throughout the years leading up to where no man has gone before. And that somehow in, that really enriched that pilot for me. That, yes, it's all implied that they had this, this really close friendship. But here you see it play out and you kind of have a, a cognitive idea of it. Yeah, I during the '90s, I bought every single one of the uh, DC um, Star Trek comics, and thinking back, I can't really think of any of them that really made too much of a splash. I mean, I love I love Star Trek, so I read them, but I'm pretty sure I had this one in my collection. I just don't really remember it, but but. This would be one that I would that I would have enjoyed a lot. Uh, <coughs> I, I, one thing that kind of gets me is I've never been fond of of uh, books that change artists midway through. I was going to mention that, and this one was really the, distracting. Yeah, I, I that was probably the story is great, the dialogue is great. I love the um, the security guard referring to Okura as "Now that is a healthy girl." Yes, <laughs> and but there's something about when you. When you switch an artist at you know about page twenty one, and all of a sudden Kurt Kurt Swan is there, and you're going, okay, is Jimmy Olsen going to show up with a flying? Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's Perry White, and you know it's it's hard enough to get the likenesses down of of you know movie stars, and every once in a while, you know, I think that Swan did a, a pretty good job of it here and there, but but every once in a 
while there was a profile view that was just you know you can tell the guys uh, used to drawing Superman and and uh, it just th- that's the only thing that really really troubled me. I mean, I can understand maybe you, you can't get an artist to commit for an entire issue, or maybe they just wanted because it was an annual they wanted to get everybody a shot at it, which I can understand too. But that that just kind of bothers me. I, I would have liked to have seen. Um, a uh, a steady artist throughout the whole thing. However, I do like the way Kurt Swan uh, draws Carol Marcus. Yeah, and uh, Ruth with the uh, with the uh, Farrah Fawcett little flippy hair. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you notice that? That was a that was a great look. That's you such know? a legion. That's actually how he drew Lara quite a bit. He drew a young Lara in a. Oh, now I can't unsee it. Damn it! <laughs> but that was that. I remember reading it for the first time and just hitting this brick wall. Like, what am I reading? You look at the cover again, and yeah, it's Swan is very noticeable if you're in any way, shape, or form a Superman fan. Yeah, David, uh, you're you are the biggest Superman fan I know. What, what's your take on uh, on Swan's artwork? <coughs> you see, uh, I'm biased to it because. Yeah. Kurt Swan was my Superman. You know, I grew up with him. And in this particular situation, I have to tell you, the story was so well written and it hit so many points. I almost didn't even notice the change in art. I I mean, I really enjoyed the story. So, you know, the art was okay. my favorite stories are when they go back to um starfleet academy and and like you were mentioning jay david about the um the old marvel issue where they went back and they had starfleet academy and 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 it interests me i i I like that that there isn't a lot done with that i remember years ago there was a rumor of a tv show that was going to be made of you know starfleet academy never never came one of the ideas for Star Trek The Motion Picture was – or Phase 2 before that, before it morphed was that it would yeah. show the characters at Starfleet Academy. And that's an idea that keeps coming back every now and then. Yeah. Well, the only time we really got to see a lot of it was the Wesley Crusher episodes of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of, of The Next Generation, which, you know, weren't my favorite. But, but I would have liked to have seen – But you had my favorite Martian on the grounds. His grounds clearly at Starfleet. He's, he's a great gardener. Yes, he and is. And Andorian. An Andorian, but you know, you just can't see the little antennas that didn't pop out. But but a great gardener nonetheless. But I would have loved to have seen that's why I enjoy these and and like we've mentioned, the way that everything was tied in, you know, uh, Peter David. There were I times to, I felt like he was going out of his way. Yeah, you could yeah, I, I agree. I agree. You know, maybe a stretch to uh have you probably did need to have a hora in there. Um, but I love that he made a detail of Lieutenant Kyle, so I, I'm a little bit it, – it's something where I can forgive overambition yeah. because I don't feel it dragged the story down. I just love that Kyle – that was the detail where I'm like, well played, sir. <laughs> you have to be a pretty star, you know, hardcore Star Trek fan to know who Lieutenant Kyle is unless you've watched the animated series. Then they make a big deal out of him and he somehow became British. <laughs> <laughs> Which I do put on every once in a while on Netflix. I I, I enjoy it as well. You should. There's nothing it's... wrong with the animated series except for the animation. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and that can be forgiven because once you see the words filmation, you know where this is going. Absolutely, <laughs> you ain't got a lie to kick it. We know there's what's no, happening. There's no fans or butts about it. 
so yeah, that was a great choice. I'm, I'm glad that I like all the choices so far. And um, how about a uh, how about a grade, Jay David? What do you think? I will give. Well, the art's a little tricky. I'm going to go with the story. I'm going to give the story. I'm going to give a solid A. I mean, there's no there's nothing broken about it. Um, and for the art, the art, even though it was distracting, it's not bad. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a B. And just so an overall, I'll give it, I'll give it a solid A minus. All right, David, how about you? You're the, uh, you uh-huh. have the most cursed one experience. I'm going to give the story itself an A plus, and I'm going to give the art a B plus. So I would say overall and the cover I would give an A. So overall uh, I'd say it's an A A issue. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I'm going to go along along the same lines the the artwork even even though I I I don't like the change of artists. I I do it was it was kind of neat to see Kurt Swan uh draw Star Trek. So I'm definitely going to give the art uh, an A minus. An a- uh, the story is a is a solid A. I mean, yeah. So I'm just it. I think that it's probably just a solid A for me. I, I enjoyed this, and the cover was was definitely an A as well. So yeah, this was a fun one. Yeah. So we're from average a. to above average. But we're not done yet. <laughs> no, we are not done yet. Now. Uh, I, I guess it is my turn. I, I am, uh, I decided to, to do, um, one of my favorite artists and authors, John Byrne, who, um, over the past few years, I think his art has kind of gotten a little bit shaky, uh, with, with the exception, I think the last great, he's, I mean, he knows his Star Trek too. He's done some great great star trek i've always work. i've been very impressed with how much he does know his star trek yeah he does know his trek i mean if you've read uh leonard mccoy uh country doctor i believe it was called frontier was doctor great. frontier doctor thanks yeah and he did some he did the uh the story about the uh, romulans uh Ooh, the hollow was crown about, it was it was yes, uh, the alien ho- spotlight and then followed up with the hollow crown yeah, yeah. That I, I enjoyed. He he does, and you know he put some he put some love into that. And I could and, and some of his other work since then is, is kind of shaky. So for the past few years, he's been experimenting with the photo novel. Which at first, when I heard he was doing it, I looked at the price. They are a little bit pricier. I just I didn't know, but I said, you know what? It's John Byrne. I'm going to go ahead and. Uh, and check it out. So I've been reading them and I love them. I mean, what he, what he does is he just takes uh, stills from, you know, all, he has all of the shows and he tweaks them and he photoshops them and he does what he wants with them. He says that he has no trouble with the rights of uh, getting to likenesses and, and, and he just blends his story around established pictures and frames that he gets from, from all of the TV shows. So he can pretty much bring anybody in that he wants and he can alter. Uh, he said that, that the hardest thing to do was maybe getting the proportions right. Sometimes he would have to tweak the proportions and the backgrounds, of course, were a lot of the times a computer done on computer. But I was just so surprised at how much I enjoy, enjoy these 
photo novels. And uh, my book was uh, Star Trek New Visions, The Mirror Cracked, which came out around May 14th of 2014. And it's photo novel by John Byrne. And he even gives uh, credit to Jerome Bixby and Gene L. Kuhn. Jerome Bixby uh, came up with the um, with the original uh, mirror mirror episode of Star Trek, which this actually takes place um, a few weeks after that. And you know the uh, the story goes that you know. The star date is 842916, a few weeks after the Mirror Mirror incident. And Mr. Spock is conducting a maintenance check on the transporter. It seems there's a small glitch that, that he has just barely been detected, so he's checking it out. And as he walks away, suddenly the evil Mirror Universe Captain Kirk beams onto the ship, dressed in the appropriate attire. And he's walking around. He obviously has a plan, and he's trying very hard not to be an asshole. <laughs> Which he's, is very, very he's having he's having a lot of trouble with it, you know, as he makes his rounds throughout the ship. And it, it doesn't take the real Captain Kirk long to figure out that you know he's basically in two places at once. And you know he's and uh, and he has to check the current crew uh, crew complement. And it is over by two people. So Kirk tracks down Mr. Spock to his cabin, and he only to find that Mr. Spock is unconscious, and his evil mirror universe double has rendered him unconscious with the Vulcan pinch. Now, he shaved off his goatee, so they look absolutely identical. And the evil Spock holds Captain Kirk at gunpoint, and we don't really know what he's doing yet, but we know that the evil Kirk is making his way through the ship, conducting some evil plan. And it turns out that after they went back to their evil universe, he couldn't get any of his uh, crewmates to collaborate the story about... Because it's a real shitty place. I mean, you can't trust anyone <laughs> in in that place so everyone's out to get you you know you can you, you get killed and you can move up in rank so it's no a one lot, believed... it's a it's a lot like washington dc yeah exactly <laughs> it's very very cutthroat you can't <laughs> trust anyone i mean and so they think he's crazy and and they lock him up and they torture him and he manages to escape with the help of mr scott because right before kirk left that universe he planted a bug in the evil Spock's ears that maybe it doesn't have to be like this. You know, maybe you could change what's going on here. It's just not logical. Well, after Kirk is thrown into the, uh, into the torture machine, uh, Spock takes over. But, you know, evil Scotty's not too keen on that. He wants to make a profit. So he brought back with him the way to get back to you know, Captain Kirk's universe, and that's how Evil Kirk got back. So Evil Kirk is there, and Cap and Mr. Spock, Evil Spock is telling, you know, Captain Kirk and his good Spock that, you know, <laughs> he really wants to get, he wants to get Evil Kirk back, basically. So they're going to work together on this. And at this point, Evil Kirk has beamed over to a Romulan ship 
where we get to see our good friend Commander Core, which was really cool because, you know, they just photoshopped and pulled pictures of him out of every other episode, and he's in there, and you can really follow along. And, you know, he's aligned himself with these Klingons, given them a cloaking device and superior technology from his universe. And he wants to, uh, you know, get established here in ours. And it turns out that Spock, evil Spock, and Kirk are going to try and stop him. Now, the good news is that Dr. McCoy has somehow used a hair regenerator to regenerate the goatee back on evil Spock. And there's a real cool scene where you can actually see evil Spock shaving off his goatee because, you know, goatees are evil on anyone that has them. <laughs> but he grew, he grew it back, so it was much easier to tell him apart. And, you know, they, they beam over. They, the, the trouble is, is that because both Kirks are basically the same, they anticipate each other's moves. So what they do is they have evil Spock get behind the helm, and then Kirk can't figure out what's going on. Evil Spock somehow gets to, you know, bring down the uh, the uh, cloaking device, and they blow the hell out of the ship, and they beam all of the Klingons out into into holding cells or whatever. And then Spock, uh, evil Spock, and Kirk beam over to try and get Core and evil Kirk. And a gunfight, a phaser fight, starts breaking out. And I had no idea. There was one panel that that Kor could not use his phaser against anyone in the Federation. I don't know if you guys caught that, but he mm-hmm. was trying to shoot someone. And he said, damn, I can't use this phaser against anyone in the Federation. I had no idea that... Organians. That that, <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, damn, these Organians. I had, you know, I had no idea that that was, that that was possible. And, well, it wasn't, you know, but Evil Kirk could do it. So he grabbed it and tried to shoot. And, of course, there's ducking and dodging. And Evil Kirk, you know, runs away, gets onto the transporter pad, and beams out basically anywhere. And they uh, they apprehend uh, Kor and, and the Klingons come and take him away. And it turns out that that Evil Kirk has been transported to another dimension where he was a slave to a Captain Ohura. And she's very surprised to see him because she had him killed. And she's really, really excited that she's going to get to skin him alive again. (laughs) Now, Evil Spock goes back to his evil universe. And I guess he's attempting to slowly, slowly, slowly implement some change and that's pretty much how it ends. And uh, I'm a sucker for the alternate dimension Star Trek. Mm. Um, I was trying to figure out how many of the shows actually visited the alternate dimension. I mean, I remember that that um, Enterprise did. Enterprise did a really good two-parter. Yeah, yeah, that was great. And they tied in. They tied in um, the uh, Tholian web. With the Yorktown yeah. falling into that dimension. Yeah, that was easily probably one of my favorite episodes of Enterprise. They used it, but I can't, I don't believe it was, was it used in Deep Space Nine? Yes, yes, yeah. it was. Oh, yeah, it was. I'm yeah. trying, trying to remember, I, I guess I, I watched all of Deep Space Nine, but I, okay, so it was used 
I know it wasn't. I don't believe it was used in Voyager. I don't remember um, it being pretty, used in Next Gen. Not in the show. Uh, no, I don't no, think it was. It's. No. I think it was only uh, Deep Space Nine and uh, Enterprise. How did the Deep Space Nine episode uh, end up? Was it any good? I know I've I did seen several. It, but... They revisited it several yeah. times. It was like Cisco's wife was still alive, and Cisco was kind of like a pirate. And oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Now I remember. All right, Kira. Kira was a sex fiend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She was the dominatrix looking, and and all of this like cat. Like, yeah. Now it's coming back to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I like that. That's your your point of reference. Yeah, the yeah, sex. Yeah, it, it was. It was. I'll be I'll be sleeping on my back tonight. <laughs> because I remember her in that in that little uh, that little uh, kinky little dominatrix outfit. That's right. So I can we can say that that three, I guess three of the shows. Used the comics the have done have done yeah. gangbusters. There's a whole mini series about the mirror universe. It's five issues, one of which is about Picard, as he was in that area. But four out of five are really they deal with the the crew that we know from the original series. There was a one shot from Marvel that played with Kirk coming, you know, when they immediately after Mirror Mirror. And then the DC did a follow up in volume one that was a whole Mirror Universe saga. Ooh. And it was it was really, really good. Well, Jay David, what are your takes on on this uh, on John Byrne and the uh, photo novel concept that he's doing right now? I was very skeptical. I, yeah. I had very little interest, but I got a Humble Bundle, and with Humble Bundle, you buy digital comics, you pay what you want, essentially. So I got a heck of a deal, It's also, and, and I cracked them open, I'm like, this is amazing. There are some wonky times with the Photoshop here and there, but the stories have been absolutely perfect. I have no issues paying eight bucks when it comes around, it's, it's so well you know, bound, it's square bound. Um, I even paid extra in a humble bundle to get a um, special, a Ooh. one-off Day of the Dove, which follows up on the Gorn. And oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, it's 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 it was only available. Down. Yep, only available through the humble bundle. You had to pay up over a certain threshold to get it. Um, by the way, just as a, a side recommendation, humblebundle.com. Keep an eye on it. IDW does a lot of work with them. Uh, they did a whole Ghostbusters. They did Star Trek. So keep an eye out because you can get a lot of good deals through there. But I'm once I was right. introduced, I was I was on board. There's such a, there's some really great stories. And Byrne, through his Star Trek work, has his own internal continuity. Number yeah. one starts from Star Trek crew, which starts well. That's the first uh, shakedown flight of the Enterprise. And he weaves Loved her it. in through a ton of stuff. And he brings back core. He brings back, um, oh, what's the... What's the Klingon from Trouble with Tribbles? To uh, I'll never think of it. I just Kolo? watched it. Kolo? I that seems right. But he brings them back. He he will bring these characters back. So you get a feeling where the original series was so episodic, you get a feeling of continuity and fluid fluid movement between them. Byrne knows his stuff, and despite the fact that it's photo novel, I got past that pretty quickly. I really did too. I got past it. I'd say by the first page, I was into it, and it was like I was watching a TV episode. Mm-hmm. It really was, and and the and the technology between when this book came out in 2014 to now is getting better and better and better. 
or he's getting better and better. I mean, I, I don't think he does it all by himself. If he does, kudos to him. But um, well, he's made cameos in his better. own books. He's had actors from uh, 30 Rock do a, uh, a cameo. Um, he's aged people like Gary Seven. Yeah. And number one, it's he's doing really good. I prefer that he sat down and drew, drew it. Yeah. But with the stories this good, I, I'm not going to complain too much. No, I have no complaints of the stories. I have no... I basically have... I was into this. I mean, I even went ahead and watched Mirror, Mirror <laughs> on Netflix before I reread this. And it really helped a lot. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it picked up right where this you know left off a couple of weeks later and i you're you know what for 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 the price you pay i i don't have a problem with it they look nice on a the shelf they're uh like you said they're glossy the, the paper's great um no problem at all i am i'm just loving these i'm loving okay. these i wish he would go back to drawing some star trek but if he's not going to draw them, I if he's not going to draw anymore, if this is the way he wants to go, you know, artists change their medium mm-hmm. a lot, and maybe this is just what he wants to do right now. You know, he's basically becoming the David Bowie of comics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how about you, David? What what was your take? Had you read a photo novel before, or was this your first? I had never seen a photo novel before, and uh, I came into it maybe a little skeptical. Because I said, originally, I just thought it was going to be photographs from the TV show. And I was like, well, how far can they take this? But with the photoshopping, I got into it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought the story was great. I really enjoyed it. That's good. I, mean, I thought you would. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, I'm, you know, I take it that, that, that are, you a, are you a John Byrne fan as well or? Yeah, well, the original uh, Man of Steel series oh, and yeah. his, his early work on uh, Superman. Yeah. But th- I mean, this this really hit it out of the park. I mm-hmm. really came in a little skeptical, but it was well worth the trip. And the Mirror Universe is the perfect place to play it. Yep. Yeah. Because you can Photoshop a goatee on just about anybody. That's easy. I mean, heck, I could use my iPad and put a goatee on me and I'd be Evil <laughs> Dario. <laughs> uh, you know the photo photo novel uh, format gives us a chance to take another look at Barbara Luna as Marlena yeah. Moreau. I have no problems with that. None. No, none. <laughs> Sleeping on my back tonight as well. <laughs> yeah, we all will be. <laughs> no, it it was a it it was a fun it was a fun read for me, and I still continue to get them mm-hmm. every time they come out. And the trouble is, is I put them all over. You know boxes and everything. I wish I could spend the, uh, some time and get them all together, because uh, and put them on a shelf. But I, I come across one periodically and go, oh man, here's one. I got to put it with the rest of them because I believe that I do have most of them except for the uh, the Day of the Dove, like well, like you were saying, which is going to make me try and go out and pick it up somewhere. But I really enjoyed it. And if I'm going to have to give this a, a, a grade, I mean, a little tougher. I'm just going to give it a a solid A. From the yeah, cover, I'll agree with that. We can't really the do writing art, but yeah, the, the art. What are you going to do? I mean, it, it it's you can't really grade the art, I guess. But I guess the photoshopping to me, I had no trouble, and my overall grade of everything is going to be an A plus. And I don't throw that out lightly. I, I think it was. It's a fun read. I recommend that everyone that's a Star Trek fan and a John Byrne fan should um should check these out. I agree. I give it an A as well. 
A across the board. And, but you know what? I've got to be honest with you. IDW, since they've had this license, they have knocked it out of the park. We were talking off the air about Absolutely. Star Trek Planet of the Apes. They also had Star Trek Legion. You have Star Trek Green Lantern, which are you, is... Are you reading Star Trek Green Lantern? I am, and I'm loving I, I'm it. I'm enjoying it. Everything, I mean, it, everything it, IDW it, has done, license-wise, across the board has been phenomenal. Yeah, and and, and uh, I have to say that I think the IDW stuff is by far the best Star Trek stuff mm-hmm. that was out there. They, they seem to get it right. I don't know what it is, uh, but they seem everything they put out, I've enjoyed. And they put out a lot. I mean, yeah. they put out New Universe stories. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Next Generation stories. They... You know New what's Trek. out there right now? You Star Trek boldly go takes the the Kelvin universe from Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, and in all honesty, the the comic series is how I embraced the new Kelvin universe. Yeah, because the yeah. writer is like, this isn't an alternate timeline. This is an alternate universe. Yeah, it was I'm never going to go that. exactly the same. And as soon as I did that, and as soon as he expands on characters so much that I'm 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 completely accepting of it now. Even Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah, I did read that. I, and I also I, I love the um, the uh, the con series that they had a few years back. Oh yeah, that was great. And there's just you know right now there's the um, there is a book that's out right now monthly Star Trek Waypoint. It's bi monthly. Yeah, it, it's it's an anthology. Yeah, it's really really good. They're one and done stories for the most part, mm-hmm. and they they jump all over the continuum. You don't know. You can have a next generation story. You can have a classic Trek story. You can have a Deep Space Nine story. They did a Voyager story. A Voyager story, and it's all in one issue. And you can I, anytime I can get a comic that's one and done. Yeah, I love. It. And it's a gamble because it's not written for the trade. No, it's and written. this is this is special because they actually they did a, a gold key homage. There was a whole story that was just a gold key homage, and I almost applauded the comic. So it, if you're a Star Trek fan and you want a single book that that sings to you, Star Trek Waypoint. Yeah, I hope it sticks around. I really do because yeah. uh, I'm in, I'm enjoying it a lot. And they do great crossovers. They did. We mentioned Star Trek: Planet of the Apes, Star Trek: Legion. They did Star Trek: The Next Generation and Doctor Who. That was a great one. That was the so metal great. Men, the yes. metal men and the Borg. Yep. It was it, it was it was beautiful because they actually tied it into the fourth Doctor in the original series. It was wonderful. I yeah. I, I, I really enjoy. So I'm gonna say you know if you if if you love track. We're kind of losing you, Dario. We all do. And, and up on it. And we kind of lost what you were stuff. just saying. Yeah, I'm concerned. Oh, well, I was saying that if, that if you're into that if you're into Star Trek, and a good place to start is the IDW stuff. You're, mm-hmm. you're not going to go wrong. It's 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 solid. The artwork is good, and the writing is excellent. Mm-hmm. I agree wholeheartedly. And I was going to ask, uh, what's the future of Star Trek comics? I mean, we we've had you know the, the DC had a great had a lot. Marvel didn't have a very good run. But they came back. DC had a solid 
run, but... Dario, I can't hear you. Yeah, you're fading out, Dario. I can hear... Am I Am I back? You're back now. Okay. I, I was going to say, the future of Star Trek comics, is there... Is there you think that there's money to be made for these companies in printing Star Trek comics? We know that Marvel had a hard time. Uh, DC had a had a good run, but and IDW seems to be doing it. But they're but they're they're not doing as many as they used to. I think I think that they're kind of slowing down. But what they're putting out is quality. Do you see Star Trek comics continuing? There, there are if you look at the books that are being published, they're doing the newspaper strips now. Uh, there's a large graphic novel collection that's coming down the pike. There's money to be made in Star Trek. I mean, we're Star Trek fans. They're going to get my money one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially with the new TV show coming out. I'm, 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 I'm excited. I, I, uh, I'm reading a lot of stuff online about this and that. It's not, I saw some pictures the other day, and I don't know what exactly what what universe it's set in. But I'm excited that there's there should always be some type of Star Trek on TV as far as I'm concerned. And you brought this up on one of your Dave Does uh, uh, podcasts as well, Jay David, and it was a good one too. But it's never gonna kill. It's never gonna. It's never gonna die. You cannot no. kill Star Trek. Are you David, going? We were talking off you, air about David Pascarella getting it from his mother. It's, it's yeah. generational. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to subscribe to see the new show when it comes out? No. I, I'm in an interesting. I be, my job takes me overseas. Oh yeah. <laughs> and Netflix is going to. If you're in another country, Netflix will air the show on Netflix only outside of the United States. <laughs> so I'll I'll catch up with them when I fly somewhere that I can get it. But if you're in the United States and Netflix and you have Netflix, you won't be able to watch it. But let's say I go to England or something. I can I can get it there on Netflix. So that's how I intend to watch it. And there's other ways that I could probably pick it up here and there. That's kind of what yeah, I'm that, leaning towards is other yeah, methods. Yeah, other methods too. But there's no way I'm going to miss it. I just can't see myself subscribing to it, which I think is a kind of a bad idea. But well, I do have a wait and see mentality on this because I I don't you know I can pick and choose my Star Trek. I don't like Voyager, but I love the original series and Next Generation somewhere in between. I can live without this series if it doesn't look good. Yeah. Well, I loved it all. I mean, I I took you know, bad. It's like bad pizza is better than no pizza at all. I will take any trek. I watched Voyager. I watched it all. I I Enterprise just started to find its legs mm-hmm. when it was canceled, I think. And uh, I'm hoping that that if I play my cards right, I can get my kid to be into Trek too. I'm I'm working real hard at it, and I think it's making a little impact. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, to uh, do more on uh, Star Trek soon. And if uh, if all of you listeners out there like us better than the regular guys that host the show, you know <laughs> we'll have a we'll we'll do a uh, a mirror universe and just get rid of it. We'll take and we'll take over. Well, Paul Spatar already has a goatee. Oh, hey, damn it. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, so he's the evil guy. He's the evil Paul Spataro. evil Paul. Well, I can grow a goatee in an hour if I need one. So really? there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, did any of you think that uh, Picard could have used that hair generator? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just saying. 
I think that 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 we've gotten past that. So we that was Gene to, Roddenberry's I, take on it. Yeah, that that nobody cared in, in the twenty fourth, twenty third, twenty fourth century. I'd use it in five minutes. Yeah, me too. I absolutely. Fine. You've got a good head of hair. What are you talking about? Oh, Both I mean, have... if I needed it, I'd use it in where five gonna... minutes. Ah, jeez, where the hell are you gonna put it? A hair on your ass? You don't need it. I'm the <laughs> one that I'm the one that needs it. <laughs> I need to get in one of those uh, con cryostasis tubes and wake up 200 years in the future <laughs> so that I can get so that I can get hair. I'm glad that that's your that's your main use of technology. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm getting to the Botany Bay, and I'm going to wake up when they have hair regenerators. <laughs> I'll just look at my wife. It was gone. He put hair on my head. <laughs> Mine is the superior quaff. <laughs> uh, well, fellas, I, I I guess that we've uh, if we've pretty much. Uh, talked about just about all i have on star trek comic books i love them i hope all of you guys love them and uh there you go peace out what do you say fellas jay david tell us where we can find you yes just down the dial here at dave does oh wait oh no dave's daredevil podcast which is returning in july right down the dial on two truefreaks.com somewhat close to dario's location very much so. I, I, and uh, you can find me. And oh, he's my, acting coy. His wife must be in the room. Yeah, no, no, she's not. She's fast asleep. I, okay. I, I, I put a roofie. I put a roofie in her ginger ale. Um, you, you can, can, you can find me and my cohort, <laughs> my cohort Chris Honeywell, doing the Eat It and Beat It podcast, which is the only podcast that combines food. And porn, although I like to say erotica, a highly educational uh, podcast. Tune in. You'll love it. And Mr. Pastorella? Uh, and and David, just, you bounce around. We have you everywhere. I don't like to stay in one place. I move around quite a bit. Uh, I've done weekly heroics, back to the bins, uh, listen to the prophets. Is it yours? So you never know where you're going to find me. Yeah, you're like you're, you're like the boogeyman. <laughs> I'm on the run from the law. <laughs> Look outside in your bushes. There's Pascarella out there. He'll be out there hiding. <laughs> but well, that that wraps us up. You know, thank you all for being here. This has been a lot of fun. A lot of good comics were read, and David's too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally, literally. <laughs> David's too. Signing off. Peace out. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to two true freaks at gmail.com. 
please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. That should be fine, and I will get this to Mr. Spataro. That was fun. Yeah. We should do this again. Come up with a something. Yeah, well, you know, Jay David's got podcasts for every finger. Come on, man. You can think no, of something. No, no. I'm going down just the one. We, um, we're gonna, we, I'm just going to do Dave's Daredevil podcast and do separate mini-series here and there, but I have I have ideas. Well... I have ideas. But if you guys ever want to talk Daredevil... Oh, I I love Daredevil. I, I used to... I used to have a big, big Daredevil. I can remember my first Daredevil comic book that I ever bought was the one where he was, where the Vulture was on the cover. I know the one you're talking about. And, and the and the logo was, just, was part of the, the city. Yeah, I was at the 7-Eleven and I saw the Vulture and I'm like, holy shit, is that Spider-Man? No, wait a minute. This is not Spider-Man. And I remember the Vulture was digging up corpses to take yep. jewel. <laughs> and I was like, God, this is not my, this is not my Vulture from... <laughs> From Spider-Man, that's for sure. So, no, I loved it. And, I, and I'm and i looking for another jumping on point again on Daredevil. Uh, go on Amazon. The The new trades are actually under 10 bucks. Now, he's in San Francisco now? Did he relocate he's, there? No, he's back. That era ended because Mark Wade wrapped up, and then it suddenly picks up with him in New York, and nobody remembers his secret identity. And He revealed that... it. Oh, okay. I can't well, tell you yet. It was really fun. It, actually, it, issue remember, 17 is also a good jumping on point because it, it actually goes to answer that question. And right now is a great time, by the way. Okay, there so is a I, Kingpin going, ongoing series, which is actually really good. I know. I saw that. I'm going to have to pick that up. I, I, I didn't know a, how they were going to play it. But basically what he's doing is he's courting this woman to be his biographer, saying, you know, I've, I've gone on the straight and narrow. And he may not be. But so it's from her point of view. Wow. <coughs> oh, the Bullseye hey, series David. Is, yeah. David, you get your comics from mail order, don't you? Yes, mycomicshop.com. Um, do you find yourself like missing out on a lot of good stories because you missed the first? Do they let you go back and say, hey, man, I want to get, you know, let's say uh, Kingpin. I started to notice it like the third issue, and I said, man, I should have got this from the start. Do they let you go back and order like the first and second issue? or You could order them all a cart. Yeah, I, I've never, I've never done that. But I mean, they usually have it in stock for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's what I miss most about my my local comic shop closing. I could go in and see, hey, this is something new this week, and I could, I could check it out, read it. If I liked it, I'd buy it. You know, I'm looking at the previews now every month and saying, okay, this kind of looks good. I might try this, and then I'll get it, and I'll go, ooh, what did I pay for uh, this? You know, that's this. Are, I've been using this service. Since I'd say '98, around about '98, '99, and I've only had two incidents. I used to have my comic sent to, to work when I was working in the mayor's office, and after September 11th, we never got any. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. hours went it down. Went the pul- that order went bye bye, and I sent them an email, and they just expunged it and sent me another one. No ifs, ands, or buts. And I made it through till this year. They screwed up and sent me a book that I didn't order and not the one I was supposed to get. Sent an email, no problem. Mm-hmm. Sent me a replacement. Yeah. I can't I, recommend them high enough. That's that's where I, I go for all my back issues. Their back issue selection is not only crazy, great, um, it's cheap. 
is mycomicshop.com. Yep, yes. mycomicshop.com. It's Lone Star Comics out, and their their shipping is phenomenal. They pack it well. Uh, you'll have it. It's I've never had it go over a week. I use DCBS. I'm not. I'm happy with them. But the other day on the plane, I had the owner of Mile High Comics in Denver. Wow, Chuck, what's his name? Yeah, he was a really nice guy. He um, he saw me sitting on the jump seat reading uh, reading comics, and he came over, and uh, and we had a nice talk. I didn't know who the hell he was. He goes, yeah, I, I have a comic uh, business in Denver, and I said, what, Mile High? He goes, yeah, I own it. I said, wow. <laughs> and you went, sure you do. Now get yeah, in the sure back. Sure you do. No, he was, really, he was a really pretty nice guy. We talked for about an hour on comics, and uh, and he was an interesting cat. He didn't offer me anything free, which kind of sucks, but but um, he was a he was a nice guy. Hey, we I should do too. this again. We should we do should. it again. I have David, ideas. Let me work David, something. David P <laughs> and I are gonna are, are are trying to work out a podcast. We haven't we haven't. Uh, figured something out yet but we're, but we're i'm jotting down ideas and when i go out to lot to uh staten island we're going to uh we're going to definitely come we're up gonna with brainstorm we're gonna we brainstorm you know nobody's covering captain america double or, d instead of triple d or dr strange by the way dr strange is there actually an idw sale on comiXology right now uh you know i i don't know. I, I flipped through there the other day, and uh, I had some credit for Amazon, mm-hmm. so I bought a couple of the uh, photo novels that I wanted to read real cheap on Amazon uh, for the Kindle app for my iPad, and uh, they were pretty cheap. They were like four ninety nine. It is not on sale. Okay, because sometimes I'll get Comicsology updates that are from the UK. Oh, because of, okay. Because of Leyland. And his liking of it. I can't wait till we fl- start flying to Manchester. I'm gonna go have a beer with that guy. That's one of my goals, to be honest with you. Unfortunately, yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I haven't even gotten a passport yet. So no, we fly out there. Uh, I think in another year or so, we're gonna merge our two continental and United. And finally, gonna merge the company working together, so I can get trips to Manchester. I think he's close to Manchester. So, uh, so I'm gonna go have a beer with the son of a bitch because he. <laughs> He's a funny guy. Yeah. I like I, I, I like him. I like him. You've got that nice United credit card there. Yeah. Man, it's me. But it's a pain in the ass sometimes. I know. All right, fellas. I'm going to sign I, off. I'm yep, on I gotta, I've got some sleeping late to do tomorrow. 